And welcome back to Live from the Heartland. We have a couple of wonderful guests we've been trying to get on the show all summer. Uh, Jamal Julian, who's co-founder of Slow Roll Chicago, along with their relatively new executive director, Romina Castillo. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And Romina, you rode here this morning in our inch and a half of snow. Uh, tell us about Slow Roll Chicago and how appropriate it is that you rode your bike to the radio show. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure I didn't ride the entire way because it was snowing really hard when I left the house. So just keep it honest. Um, so, yes, yeah, Slow Roll Chicago is a nonprofit. Uh, we are a uh, bike advocacy organization. Um, so we target basically communities on the south and west side of Chicago. So we're very interested in getting uh, people of color and bikes. Uh, so that's our target audience. Um, we like and love working with youth. Um, that's also part of um, why we exist and why we write. Uh, we want to make sure we transform our communities in our west side and south side communities um, for the good and for the better. Um, so we see bicycles as a vehicle for transformation. So we want to reduce violence. Um, we want to bring more opportunities to the communities. And something that we really want to like to say is that when we ride, we ride with context. So we just don't ride bikes because it's fun to ride bikes, which is fun to ride bikes. Uh, but when we ride bikes, we, we bike in communities when we're invited to, to ride. So we partner always with a community-based organization from the community. And together, we create this narrative of the community. So what is it that we want to, to highlight and frame for others to see? Um, so people usually see our south and west side communities as just areas where there's just needs and when there's a lack of opportunities. But the way that we see them, they're like beautiful and they have assets. So that's basically what we want to emphasize when we're writing. When we're bringing people from outside the community, um, we want to make sure that they see the different narrative in those communities. Um, Jamal, yeah. um, this almost sounds like a reaction to the critical mass folks that would take over downtown or other parts around the north side on Friday afternoons. Was it, or is, is there something else going on here? Though we, we really enjoy uh, the work of critical mass and what they do, uh, but we just have a different spirit. You know, we really want to work with the community, so we are aligning ourselves with the folks in the community. And so what we like to say is that we, we basically built a community by connecting communities because we bring people from all over mm -hmm. the region, uh, not necessarily just Chicago. We get folks that come in from Elmhurst. Uh, we get people that come in from Buffalo Grove to join. And we have a lot of folks that maybe have uh, moved from the community. They grew up in places like Englewood or they grew up in places like Pullman or they grew up in, uh, you know, Logan Square and they've relocated their families to the suburbs. So they haven't been back to the city, back to the old neighborhood in 20, 30, 40 years. Huh. And so there's a, uh, hmm. there's definitely a false narrative about the condition of the communities. And so a lot of these people had fear. They were scared to return to the community because of the narrative that's projected in the media. And so they feel more comfortable when they come along on one of our rides and, and reconnect themselves to the community that they have so many memories of. And so it's really important that we, we, dis, we diminish that false narrative because, I mean, we have, as Romina talked about, uh, you know, wonderful assets within these communities, whether it be the parks, 
uh, or the architecture or the people themselves. The people you know? themselves. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so we, we like to reconnect people, but we also want to encourage the people that live in these communities to come outdoors and enjoy their communities, you know, because they're fearful as well. So you have mm-hmm. people that are scared to come into the community, and then the folks in the community are scared to enjoy the community. And so I think that the work that we do is to bring folks outside to enjoy the assets and to d- dispel the false narrative that's projected because uh, yes, there is crime, there is violence, but it's not to the magnitude that it may be perceived because of the narrative that's projected in the media. So, Jamal, you're a co-founder of this, right? Yes, ma'am. And when did you start? <laughs> <laughs> we started Slow Road Chicago in September of 2015. And uh, Obaya and I, uh, the other co-founder of Slow Road Chicago, we grew up together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been knowing each other uh, since we were 10 years old. And we grew up in a neighborhood called Chatham on the south side of Chicago. And it was a wonderful working class community. And it was reminiscent of With all matching uh, poles with lights on it. And the Magic Kiss sign. And yeah. the Magic Kiss sign. <laughs> 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 the Magic Kiss from yeah. Dan Ryan, yes. Absolutely. Everybody remembers the of Magic course. Kiss we sign. We one of those on the west side, too. <laughs> well, you know, one of the interesting things I think about, well, you guys talked about a lot in your intro uh, that I have a lot of intersections with. You talked about uh, segregated housing situations right. and things like that and things that I'm very passionate about. But what I recall as a youth growing up in Chatham on the south side is how independent the community was. Uh, All of the proprietors of the various businesses, whether it be the gas station, the grocery store, the dry cleaners, they all were people that lived in the community that operated these these stores or the markets. And uh, and so they had a a sense of ownership or there was a pride of ownership. But what I realized as I grew older is that in Chicago, we had 77 independent community areas and they all were truly independent where you can have entertainment you can have uh, you can go to restaurants and shops and you can have all your needs met within your community Uh, we walk to school right you guys talked about school closures yeah Uh, you know people were homeowners and, uh, and and so what we saw growing up was a strong community uh, where the stakeholders really had pride. Uh, the aldermen actually worked on behalf of their constituents, and we had true representation. And things changed substantially, and it seems like for me it happened towards the mid-1990s, uh, where we had a divestment, uh, we had reallocation of resources, yep. and, uh, and we had a lot more inequity start to take a hold of the communities. And so then you would have to leave your community to go grocery shopping, leave your community to, to go to school, and, and with Slow Road Chicago, what we've been able to demonstrate, whether it be with the city or the state, is that when you have strong, robust, bikeable, walkable communities, you have healthier communities, you have more sustainable communities, and you have uh, more livable communities. And, and so that's what we're trying to return to. We need those local shops. We need, those, uh, we need local access. So we need the kids to be able to walk to school because they built these long life, long uh, relationships like Obaya and I have, you know, over you know a number of decades, and that's because we we walked to school together, right. we walked to the park together, we were able to actually com- uh, live in a community where people knew each other. That's great. I, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Jamal, uh, I was uh, I really like this notion of slow roll Chicago, but where did it start? I understand that it was another Midwestern city that you got the idea from. Absolutely. Uh, Slow Road Chicago, what basically was uh, 
was a spinoff, or we basically came up with the idea by watching our friends over in Detroit. Uh, I mean, they had built a robust uh, following, you know, and, and Obaya and I, I, we actually saw it separately. Uh, he saw uh, Slow Roll Detroit on the internet, and I saw some video of Slow Roll Detroit on the internet, and so we were energized by the spirit of what they'd accomplished in Detroit. Uh, and, and what they were able to do was to bring a diverse group of people together and utilize the activity of bicycling uh, through various neighborhoods in, in Detroit to work to change the narrative about the condition of those communities and the people that live there and how interconnected they were and how, uh, uh, how wonderful of an environment that they have and what they had to offer to folks and encourage people to come out and enjoy those communities. Let me ask you particularly, but both of you, what was your first experience with a bike? Oh, and, uh, <laughs> well, my first bike experience, my first bike was a hand-me-down. I mean, hand-me-downs sure. were in back there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I got a hand-me-down bike from a cousin, and, uh, and so I would actually, uh, I, I, that was my first bike, and it was kind of raggedy, so I had to kind of put some things together. And, uh, and I taught myself how to ride a bike. I would hold on to a gate and kind of scoot along and let the gate go and crash into the gate. And uh, <laughs> the gate became my, my friend and my, uh, and my aide, you know? So it, 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 it helped me sometimes and it hurt me sometimes. Yeah. But that was my first experience. But both Obaya and I have a, a, a different experience with bicycling you know for me you know when I became adult you know I had children uh, well I had my daughter at a young age and so for me it was a way to, to connect with her to teach her something that I enjoy you know so I taught her how to ride a bike and we would take little community rides you know in the neighborhood and uh, and it kind of you know for me it was a way for me to continue to do things and have activities for me and my daughter because it, and it made it mm -hmm. easier instead of walking to the park we could ride and get there faster because she walked too slow Romina <laughs> how about you how what was your first so my experience is different I grew up in Mexico City que so bueno onda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I lived there for a while uh, perfect yeah, I'm actually going <laughs> the end of this month so I'm excited oh, um, but yeah so I mean definitely the city has changed in, in regards to um, the bike culture but back then when I was growing up like you did not see people biking at all so when I got my first bike well actually it was my second bike but when I started riding more I actually will ride we had this inside like um, patio or court um, so I wouldn't ride in, on the street so I became really really Probably good. pretty smart to do it to not ride on the street in DS. Yeah, it was a really <laughs> small space and now that I'm thinking about it I'm like I had probably been good at like bike polo back then cuz <laughs> I just got really good at like training bike at a very you know tiny radio. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh -huh. um, it was that was my experience and it changed when I moved to Chicago and I started riding because you know, I just didn't want to pay for CTA and I had to get places when I was in school. So, yes. So um, how often does uh, uh, slow roll take off and, and how many communities have you ridden through at this juncture? Well, I guess I feel, I mean, we've only been around for a few years mm -hmm. and I feel like every year has been different. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, so it's a volunteer-based um organization so our capacity there's no wrong answer here yeah no, so no, no. don't I'm worry i'm just like <laughs> trying to to think you know that capacity is limited so every day every every year changes mm -hmm. uh, but usually we try to ride in the past we we used to ride once a week 
um, Wednesdays. That's how it started. Okay. And then we'll have um, Saturday rides every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we rode ev- every other week or so during the weekday. And we'll, we'll have at least one or two Saturday rides. Uh-huh. And we usually ride between... It's starting in May till September when you the weather is a little more predictable. Sure. Um, in regards to how many communities in total, um, I don't, I'm trying well, to come up with a number. We've covered the city uh, for the most well. part and even uh, had a couple of rides uh, where we've gone into Oak Park. Uh, but mm-hmm. our focus has always been and will continue to be on the south and west side. And that's, again, because of the narrative. A lot of people believe that, you know, in the black and Latino community, the folks that ride bikes are either children and they're doing it for fun mm-hmm. and or, uh, you know, they're either children or like maybe middle-aged old men that don't have a car and are really poor. You know, but the reality is, is that you know we may we may uh, we use the bicycle in a different mode. Uh, you might not see as uh, many people using it as a form of uh, commuting, uh, but people use it within the community to do all kinds of stuff. You might go to the grocery store, and uh, but one of the things that we realized is that because of the lack of infrastructure and the inequity with the distribution of infrastructure, that we definitely have some in, an inability to use it in the robust fashion that you might see on the north side. Uh, and so we've been working with the city, you know, encouraging them to increase the bicycle infrastructure on the south and the west side, and so that we could use this as a form of uh, commuting, uh, whether it be to the grocery store or to your occupation. And uh, because kids in our community, I mean, like Romina <coughs> said, in, you know, in her hometown, most kids in the black community use the bike, they ride up and down the street, right, on the sidewalk, and the only time they actually ride in the street is uh, annually when there's a block club party. They, they close down the street, and now the kids get to tool back and forth on the block, you know. Uh, but it, they're very limited. But when I was a kid, we rode all over the place. Oh, that's what it meant. Yeah. yeah it was freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, freedom. So in, yeah. in September, you had something called Open House for Safer Communities, for Safer Streets. It was focused on the west side. How did that go? What particular neighborhoods did you travel through, and what was the safe street aspect of this? Um, so, on the west side, we did a lot of rides in Austin. Um, we did what we call peace rides, um, so that was one of them. Um, I believe it was that one of uh, from Austin Town Hall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was related to the architecture. Of, of those communities in the west side. Uh, we got pretty good turnouts uh, for all of our rides. Um, you know, those are the ones when we usually get a lot of youth, which is very exciting to ride with them, and we love the energy that they bring to the rides. What do you think about this uh, movement, if I can put it that, around dockless bikes? Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, yeah, we see divvy bikes all over the place, mm-hmm. but dockless bikes is a little different idea. Almost it struck me as a gypsy cab kind of operation. Well, I mean, it's all about accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. And and the more accessible the bikes are, the more likely it is that we'll have people to use them. I mean, one of the, the thoughts was at one point that, you know, black people don't ride bikes. And so that there's no reason to put the divvies on the south and the west side because there'll be underutilization. But, you know, since we've encouraged and worked with the city to grow the network, we've seen uh, robust activity on the south and west side. And, and I believe it's increasing as now they, that the bikes are there, uh, people are beginning to use them a lot more frequently. And uh, working with the city to uh, introduce and uh, the Divi network to introduce uh, Divi for everyone, 
Uh, we partnered with Divi uh, doing outreach uh, to encourage people to sign up for the program and offering uh, low to moderate income uh, citizens in the city uh, with a, a discount so that they could access the Divi without mm -hmm. some of the, uh, the challenges. You know, a lot of folks in the low to moderate income areas, they may not have a debit card. They, right. they bank at the yeah. currency exchange. Right. And yeah. so, uh, you know, with the Divi for Everyone, they are able to get access to the Divi network uh, for $5 a year annual membership and they don't have to have a debit or a credit card. And so this will hopefully, over time, increase the utilization of the Divis on the south and west side. Yeah, so just, just to add to that, going back to the Douglas uh, bikes, um, I mean, we believe it is just uh, an option. Again, so DV had the way that started in a lot of our bike network is very commuted based and it usually comes to downtown. Yeah. So, you know, we have to rethink how our communities in the west and south side want to ride. Where is it that they want to go and what type of network will actually accommodate the way that they ride. So I think that's one of the, the things that we're trying to 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 work with those communities and work alongside with the city. And, you know, those bikes, again, it's just like Jamal mentioned, is just another option in making more accessible for people. And again, trying to extend this network of, of bike infrastructure, but also of bike culture. And what, does that, what will that mean in our communities in the west and south side? You know, recently we had people from the recyclery up in uh, Rogers Park on the show. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they talked about was teaching people how to work on their own bikes. And I understand you do that with young people too, teach them how to work on bikes. Well, we don't do it directly. We work with organizations like Blackstone. We work with Working Bikes and uh, Westtown. And these are organizations that are already doing the work. I mean, Slow Road mm -hmm. Chicago, we cannot do everything. And so what you we can. do is... No, we can't. We, we can't. try. And so we align ourselves. There's no reason for us to, uh, to, to reinvent the wheel. There are some organizations that are already doing wonderful jobs working with the youth. And so we partner with the Blackstones or the Working Bikes or Westtown, and we help to champion what they're doing and encourage people to uh, partner with them or to work with them and kids to mm -hmm. join those organizations to do that work because they have wonderful training programs. They teach them, you know, uh, bicycle mechanic skills, and uh, some of them build their own bikes. And we've actually worked with the recyclery before and, uh, and done some work with mm -hmm. those guys, and they're doing a wonderful job on the uh, far north side. So tell us about next week's bike extravaganza that Working Bikes is, is doing. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not... It's, it's an it's annual a, bike giveaway. Uh -huh. uh, well, and they uh, have bikes available for folks to mm -hmm. purchase for $5, which makes it, again, accessible if you're low to moderate income and you're not mm -hmm. able to go to the big box store to get one of those bikes, then, you know, for Christmas uh, for the youth. Well, then you, you have an option here to get a wonderful bike that has been... Uh, tuned up and prepped and is ready to go and is in wonderful working condition and probably in better shape than the big mm -hmm. box bike that you get brand new. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and again, it's, our, and it's a way to connect to working bikes, with, which, you know, like Jamal mentioned, it, they provide amazing programming for youth. Um, and also they donate a lot of bikes, so not just to the community, but they donate it abroad as well. So you are keeping alive a, a pretty important tradition. Chicago was the most biking city and, the, and where most bikes were built mm -hmm. in the early uh, 20th century um, it was like the major bike producing capital Lots of bike racing and mm -hmm. uh, and so thank you thank mm -hmm. you for having mm -hmm. such a good intention and uh, recognition of what makes community uh, very well said 
<laughs> Being able to walk and ride your bike in your own community and outside of it, cross all those borders, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's what freedom to ride is all about. Thank you. It's right Slow on. Roll Thank Chicago. You. Look them up on the web or on Facebook.